God is the joy and the strength of my life. Mm, can we put our hands together just because he is? Just because he is. Well, good morning, Strong Tower. Praise the Lord, Strong Tower. I said, praise the Lord, Strong Tower. One more time for the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, Strong Tower. I first want to give an honor to God, the head of my life. I bring you greetings from my wife, Amber, our three kids, Isaiah, Luke, and Asia, from Bridgeway Community Church, Gracism Global, and all those in the DMV who look down here and wonder, where in the world is Taylor Swift going to be this weekend? <laughs> and I think we found out. I want to honor your pastor, Pastor Chris Williamson. You have a good pastor. You ought to put your hands together just because. <laughs> pastor Williams. Williamson is a, a soldier for Christ, a, a heralding voice for God's diverse kingdom, a faithful servant of the gospel in season and out of season. And I just want you to know I'm proud of you. And I've watched you over the years. I've watched Strong Tower. I preached when you were in YMCA, I, when you were in Franklin, to, to see you and Lady Dorina uh, through many dangers, toils, and snares. You have already come. So I honor you. First Lady, as an author, a mother, a strong wife who rocks it in the home and in the community, thank you so much for your ministry. So uh, we put our hands together for First Lady. Dorina Williamson. I bless you both, and I bless your church in the name of Jesus. I want to honor your church. I, uh, I'm thankful for your commitment to the word of God and to the work of God. And especially in this day post-pandemic, it's not easy to stick with God and to stay with God and to still trust God when all the things that are going on in the world continue to press up against our faith. But today what I want you to know is that God is still on his throne and that the Holy Spirit is more active now maybe than we've seen him move in the past. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about tapping into the spirit of diversity. Tapping into the spirit of diversity. Before I do that, I want to introduce the team that's traveling with me. My, uh, my special assistant and executive project manager, Jonathan Adagio. Would you stand up, Jonathan, so they can see you? <laughs> Next to him, our pastor of Multicultural Bridge Building and the director of Gracism Global, Pastor David Heiliger. Thank you for traveling, <laughs> Pastor David. And my public relations director, Janice Fonseca. Janice, thank you so much as well for being here. So you got your Puerto Rican, your Nigerian, your white boy. We got it all coming together <laughs> up in here, up in here. I also want to acknowledge Bim Williamson, who now lives down here. She was with us at Bridgeway up in Maryland for many years. And when I heard she was down here, I had to reach out. And so, so good to see you. And then last acknowledgement before I pray. Uh, well, two more. Uh, Aubrey Smith, I hear. Him and his wife are running your uh, marriage ministry. They uh, got to see him this morning. Couldn't be here because of some kids' stuff, but he was at Bridgeway for many years before he moved down here, and I'm just so good to see disciples still, still working for the Lord. You know, everybody isn't still working for the Lord. You know that, right? 
Some people start with you, but they don't finish with you. Some people say they follow in Christ, but then they stop following Christ. They're mad at God because of a pandemic, of a, of, a, of a sickness, because of drama happening in the church. People get fickle when it comes to following Christ. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will use this word to strengthen your heart and help you be everything God wants you to be. One other brother in town, he used to be director of uh, diversity, vice president of Johns Hopkins, uh, the entire system up there. But then uh, God moved him down here to Vanderbilt. And so he was the vice president in, uh, of diversity for Vanderbilt. But now he is the, the chief global diversity officer for equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion for TNC, the Nature Conservancy. And he came to join us this morning straight from Tanzania and traveling and leaving tomorrow to go to Minnesota. But he said, I'm going to come to Strong Time. We ran into each other at the airport yesterday. And he's here today. Come on, James Page, stand up so they can see you. Now, after all those introductions, please uh, turn into your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Lord Jesus, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen and amen. How many of you know that we do not need any more of the Holy Spirit than we already have? How many of you know that when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have all the Holy Spirit you're going to get? Sometimes believers think that they need more of the Spirit, but the reality is the Holy Spirit needs more of you. The bottom line is that being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be surrendered to him. And in 1 Corinthians 12, that passage that's famously known for the spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul writes about, he wants to talk about unity amongst diversity. And in my book, Gracism, The Art of Inclusion, the whole message of that book is built on 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about unity within diversity, and not just along the lines of spiritual gifts, but as it relates to color, class, and culture. And Paul searches his mind, and he's trying to figure out what analogy can a good preacher use to underscore the point that he's trying to make. And he decided that the best illustration was the human body, that while we are one body, we have many different parts. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up at verses 12 and 13. So I call your attention to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. I'll be reading from the NIV 84. This is what the apostle says. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, when you consider the apostles' words, it's, it's pretty powerful to hear his declaration that all of us who are in Christ were baptized by one spirit and given one spirit to drink. He says we're baptized in the spirit. We just saw a baptism, didn't we? That baptism in water is an outward illustration of something that already happened inside. And while the baptism marks you, it identifies you as a public 
proclamation of your faith, when you're immersed in the water, the reason why you can be immersed in the water is because our sister was already baptized by the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit baptizes us inwardly. So by the time we get to the water, something has already taken place on the inside. Baptized by the Spirit, and now I'm proclaiming by water baptism that I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He says we drink from one spirit, taking that Holy Spirit inside of us. If baptism means I'm dunked in him, drinking in the spirit means he's poured into me. And God calls us to be dunked in the spirit, but he also calls us to be drunk by the spirit. And to be drunk by the spirit means that I'm filled with the spirit, not drunk with wine, don't confuse it, but drunk in the spirit. What Paul says in Ephesians 5.18 is, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or wild living. Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit. Now, why is the Holy Spirit so necessary in God's diverse kingdom? Well, back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Let me read this again. It says, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were given, all given, the one spirit to drink. What I want you to notice is that Paul is not distinguishing the spiritual gifts only throughout this passage, but he also includes race and culture. If verse 13 wasn't there, you could start with verse 12 and read through the rest of the passage and skip verse 13, and it would make perfect sense. But when he inserts verse 13, he inserts race and culture and class. It's as if he's, he's stopping the, for the moment and saying, I want you to read the rest of the chapter through this filter as well. It's not just about spiritual gifts. It's also about the diversity of the kind of people that are in God's diverse kingdom. And so when he says Jews or Greeks, that's race, that's culture. When he says slave or free, that's class or social status. And what the writer wants us to know is that in order for the body of Christ to get along, we must tap into the Holy Spirit. We must be baptized by one spirit. We were filled by the one spirit to drink. And we cannot survive as God's diverse kingdom without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And this point that I'm talking about, about tapping into the Holy Spirit, is so crucial for the diverse church to work effectively that Paul actually opens the entire chapter with this concept. Now, in order to show it to you, let's see if you can catch it with me. Go up in 1 Corinthians 12 to verses 4, 5, and 6. Now, notice what he says. Before he even gets to all the other gifts, notice what he says in 4, 5, and 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same what? Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same what? God works all of them in all men. Now, look at that passage. What do you observe? Does anybody see the triune God? 
Does anyone see the Trinity? Interesting, isn't it? Verse 4, the same Spirit. Verse 5, the same Lord. Verse 6, the same God. Interesting, isn't it? Because when we usually speak about the Trinity or the triune God, what do we normally say? We say God the what? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But do you notice in this passage, it's different. The Holy Spirit is taking the lead. See, God never does anything by accident. The writers didn't write by accident. Oops, I meant to say God the Father. No, they put the Spirit first. You normally say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Son's always in the second position, but now it's inverted. What has happened? We see the Holy Spirit is taking the lead, but why? With spiritual gifts and with diversity within the body of different colors, classes, and cultures, maybe what Paul is trying to teach us is that a diverse body of people who are all different with their spiritual gifts and their abilities and their talents and their ethnicities and their classes and their cultures and their social statuses, maybe they need the Holy Spirit to be in charge in order for it to work. Because it's never going to work in the world because the world is not led by the Holy Spirit. But if the people of God would allow the Holy Spirit to lead, they're going to show the world what unity looks like, whether you're Democrat or Republican, whether you're white or black, whether you're Jew or Greek. But you have to have the Holy Spirit in charge because you cannot have a diverse church with black people and white people and Hispanics and Latinos and Pakistanis and Indians, suburbanites, urbanites, country folk, city folk, artists, administrators, Democrats, independents, Republicans, people from Nashville, people from Franklin. You can't have all that without the Holy Spirit in charge. Otherwise, they would kill each other. And some have. All kind of division in the church, which reminds me of the joke where the pastor and the music director were always fighting. So the pastor would get up and preach on something. And then the music director after the sermon would bring a a, a song that would kind of contradict what the pastor was saying. So the pastor would say, you know what? We need to pay our tithes, and and we need to pay our offerings, and we need to start giving to the Lord. And then the music director would come up afterwards, turn in your hymnals to page 349. Jesus paid it all. (laughs) Then the pastor would say, you know what? We need to dump all that booze and all that alcohol in the river. He'd walk off, and the music director would say, Come on and turn to page 443. We're going to sing, shall we gather at the river? (laughs) Pastor's getting so upset. The next Sunday he preached, you know what? I'm thinking about leaving this church if things don't turn around. Music director gets up, turn to page 49. Let's sing, why not tonight? (laughs) (laughs) 
Pastor comes back the next week. I've had it. Friends, Jesus is calling me to leave today. He walked off. The music director got up with a smile, turned to page 72. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, division in the church is real, isn't it? We need the Holy Spirit to keep us from our fleshly attitudes of of racism and and pride and and hard-heartedness and and gossip and, and dissension. You know what it's like in your own life, don't you? When you don't let the Holy Spirit rule, can y'all get kind of ugly? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody get kind of ugly? Look at your neighbor. Say, you ever get ugly? Just say, no, I never get ugly. I walk in the Spirit all the time. And you look back at him, you say, the devil is a liar. I know you. Mm-hmm. Know your mama too. Don't even lie. Up in the house of the Lord. You know, without the operation of the Holy Spirit moving freely among the church, people will put their own agendas first, their own cultures, their own gifts above others. And without the operation of the Holy Spirit moving freely, people will become disorderly and refuse to submit to godly authority. And without the freedom of the Holy Spirit moving, people no longer look after the interest of others, but they only want to care about themselves. Without the movement of the Holy Spirit, people become consumers of church instead of contributors of church. And how can I serve in the kingdom of God? They just want the kingdom of God to serve them. How can this church serve me? But when the Holy Spirit is moving, you're asking, but how can I serve the body of Christ? How can I advance the kingdom of God forward? And by the way, can I just tell y'all right now, I think you already know it here at Strong Tower. Sometimes I got to remind people, though, you can't pray in the Holy Spirit and have a gossip session at the same time. Can I just say amen? Can somebody say amen to that? You can't do them both. You know, just want you to know. The whole, you know, gossip thing and prayer thing, look, they're they from separate kingdoms. So if you're going to pray in the Holy Spirit, then you can't be having a gossip session at the same time. And stop trying to throw in gossip in the middle of your prayers. You know some people like that? And Lord, we want to pray for this Sue. Because you know she out there, right? <laughs> she, ain't gonna get, she ain't even come home last night, Lord, but we're going to pray for her. <laughs> she ain't wear that skinny little dress. She would have been all right, but we're going to pray for her, Lord. And sometimes we try to pray, but we insert our own fleshliness in it. But when the Holy Spirit has leadership, he tamps down those fleshly proclivities of, of jealousy. You mad because you can't wear that skinny dress. No good and well if your legs look that good. You might just lift it up a little bit, but you're so holy, you want to cover everything. But the reality ain't because you're holy. The reality is because you don't really like what's in there. Okay, let me keep going because I can already see I done, I done stirred something up. When the Holy Spirit has freedom, then churches don't split over power and personality and and politics and it's just so bad in our culture you know one of the things we did last night as a team we visited covenant church and or covenant school went and prayed and met with some police officers and just to see those lives killed 
was on a plane with a woman, and uh, she said that she's a mother as well as a radiologist, and, uh, and she was at work just a mile away, and they started getting their text, and while she has a young five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they said it happened in a Christian school, she has her kid in a Catholic school, and she wasn't sure where and what, so she's texting her husband, and praise God, her child was safe in a school about a mile away, but the other radiologist next to her, who she knows, her five-year-old was killed at Covenant. And she said, the police chief went to every single funeral, and I went with my friend, and I felt like it could have been my kid. But how do I comfort her? Because it was her kid. And we're sitting around having these conversations about, about guns in America, and, and then while we're doing that, just a few minutes later, we hear about Allen, Texas. Calling my pastor friends over there. It's like, what in the world is going on? Friends, many of us have ignored the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is in charge, we seek him and we lean on him to lead us, to help us, to comfort us. Because no one can comfort you like the Holy Spirit when you do not understand what in the world is going on right now. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, give me comfort. Holy Spirit, my mind, my heart is so broken, I don't know what to do or what to say. And Romans 8 says, when you don't know how to pray, guess what? You don't even have words to put to something. But the Holy Spirit can come in and begin to take what sounds like your groans. Because you ever not have any words? You ever not have any more tears? You ever just start moaning? You, don't, you know, some of you know what it's like to just moan, to grunt. There's so many tears on your pillow. You can't even say it anymore. Your pain is so hard. Your heart is so heavy. You don't have words. There's no linguistics that can help you here. You can't even pray to God. But Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit will take the concerns of your heart and will translate it up to God and will intercede on your behalf when you don't have another word to say, when you don't have another tear to drop. The Holy Spirit will come in and he'll say, but let me step in and speak for her. She can't talk anymore, but I can talk by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says that the way he serves you is by taking what you can't even say translates it to almighty God. Anybody thankful that the Holy Spirit can serve them when they don't even know what to say? They don't even know how to pray. It's when, Dr. Jewel, you can't even sing another song. Only your spirit can hum it, <laughs> you know. Not filled with wine, but filled with the spirit. And psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs starts coming out of your soul and out of your spirit. And then the spirit of God can take it with, listen, we're talking about the spirit's leadership, but can I talk about the spirit's language for a second? The Spirit will begin to speak in a language that God, listen, that nobody else knows. It's a heavenly language to the degree, listen, to the degree 
that no one can crack the code. No one can tap the phone. No one can overhear what you say. Even the devil can't hear it. He understands English. He understands French. He understands Spanish. But he cannot understand the spirit of the Lord speaking to God on your behalf. It's encrypted. God can speak to you and your spirit can speak to him in an encrypted language that no one can interpret but God. God can go into your spirit, into your soul, into your family member who's in a coma and they can't talk, but the spirit of God can speak to them and all you see is a tear falling down. The spirit of God can move. And someone that's not even conscious, you're wondering, like a family I sat with a couple of weeks ago, do we pull mama off of the machines or not? You need the Holy Spirit's wisdom for that. God can talk to mama when you can't have a conversation because of the Spirit of God. Man, I, my best friend died at 46. I met with him and his family because they had a situation where his 80-something-year-old mama was on machines. We go to the hospital sit with them, pray with the family. They made a decision. We're going to take her off the machines and let God decide. They took her off the machines. Mama lived another 15 years. Isn't that something? The next year, my 46-year-old best friend died. He made it to heaven way before his mother. You know how we think we're making decisions? No idea. Your mama going to live much longer than you. We in this hospital room making a decision about her. Little do you know a year from now, you're going to be sitting on the steps and have a heart attack and die. You see, if we don't have the Holy Spirit leading us and, and moving with us, leading us and comforting us, we would be lost. And the reality is many of us have ignored the Holy Spirit. Many of us have forgotten the Holy Spirit. We pray to God in the name of Jesus, but we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Would it be like to, to have somebody in your life and they never acknowledge you? And you say, but they're so important to me, but you never acknowledge them. You never say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my prayer time right now. Holy Spirit, I like this morning, we invite you into the service right now. Many of our theologies have benched the Holy Spirit while the game of life and ministry is going on. And then we wonder why we have no power. You done benched the spirit. Oh, he's in the room, but you benched him. He's your key player, man. You need him on the field right now. You need him on the court right now. You wonder why there's no power. You wonder why there's no unity. Pastor, they wonder why there's no anointing. It's because they bitch the Holy Spirit and they make decisions on their own. We need to call on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit leads us. Believe it or not, when you look at the passage and you see the inversion of the Holy Spirit, did you know that's really unique? Like, is there any other place in all of the Bible where the Holy Spirit takes the lead, where the triune God puts the Spirit first when, when it's written in the Scripture? Anybody know any other place in Scripture? Believe it or not, there's only one other place. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 12 and go with me to Ephesians 4. 
in the same exact verses, four, five, and six. Now see it with me. There is one body, but one what? Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Verse five, one what? Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse six, one what? God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you see it? The triune God inverted where the Holy Spirit's taking the lead. And what's the common factor between these only two passages in all the Bible? Here's the common factor. This phenomenon we see is both times when it's in the same verses, 4, 5, and 6, it's in a passage that's dealing with diversity of gifts, diversity of offices, diversity of people in the church. We learn that while Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the Holy Spirit is the one moving within the church and driving the activity of the ministry within the church if we let him. In fact, the Holy Spirit not only drives the church based on Christ's direction and headship, but the Holy Spirit deploys the gifts, spiritual gifts within the church. In Ephesians 4, if you keep going down, we'll see the distribution of gifts even by Jesus. It says in verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and what? Gave gifts to men. We're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about spiritual offices. And we're talking about the diversity within the body of Christ. Now let's go back to our key passage where your finger is. And that's 1 Corinthians 12. The question is, if God is giving all these gifts to the church, offices, apostles, and prophets, and pastors, and teachers, and evangelists, if he's given all these different spiritual gifts to the church, then why is he doing it? If he knows that this is a combustible thing, people from different colors, cultures, ages, and stages of life, all in the same church, why would, why, would he, why would he allow that? It's so combustible. But yet we find out in verse 7, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, what the purpose of it all is. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the What? The common good. Say it again. For the what? Last time. It's given for the what? The common good. God didn't gift you for you. He gifted you for the body of Christ. You will be blessed, but you use the gifts he's given you because it's for the common good. It's not for you to look good. It's for the common good. And there's a big difference. Some people use their gifts because they want to look good. Some people use their gifts because they want to feel good. God is saying, I've given you your gifts for the common good. That's for everybody in the community. And check it out. In every verse following, he mentions the Spirit with every gift. Check it out. Verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. By means of the same what? Spirit. To another, faith by the same what? Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same, by the one, what? Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same, what? Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So God Spirit is distributing gifts. 
He's leading and driving the ministry. Jesus is the head of the church. So we've spoken about the Spirit's leadership. We know that Jesus is the head of the church. We know the Holy Spirit is the driver if we let him. We know that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit distribute and deploy spiritual gifts for the common good to edify the body of Christ. So then how do we live together? And this is why I wrote the book, Gracism. You see, with all of the diversities within the kingdom, within God's diverse kingdom, we need gracism now, more now than ever before, I think. I wrote the first edition that came out like in 20, 2007, I think. We have a brand new edition, revised and updated with Pastor Heiliger, that comes out on Tuesday, May 9th. And it's Gracism, the Art of Inclusion, the revised and expanded edition. I'm so excited because it comes out while I'm here in Nashville. And the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association are going to be here in Nashville on Tuesday when it comes out. And I'm going to be their plenary speaker. And they want to know how can we have more gracism in evangelical Christian publishing. That's what they want to talk about. And you got to remember that this, what gracism means, in case you don't know, racism is a bad word. To speak, act, or think negatively about someone else solely based on their color, class, or culture. And with that comes all kinds of systems and institutions. Grace, on the other hand, is a beautiful word. I love to just say grace. That's God's unmerited favor that's extended to another race, you and me. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't even repay it. If it weren't for the grace of God, who would be here today? Aren't you thankful for God's amazing grace? So when you put those two words together, a new term emerges, gracism, which means to positively extend favor on others regardless of, sometimes maybe even because of, their color, class, or culture. There are eight principles to gracism, eight sayings of a gracist. I'll review them, but I won't spend time on them. I just want you to see them. They're all based on 1 Corinthians 12, and you can go back and read it on your own. But there are eight I will statements or we will statements. The first one, I will lift you up based on special honor, which is said in the Bible in verse 23. I will cover you from the phrase special modesty. I will share with you the phrase special treatment. I will honor you, the phrase special honor. I will stand with you, the phrase no division in verse 25. I will consider you. That's the phrase equal concern. I love the Bible's terms. If you don't like terms like equal opportunity or, or affirmative action, just use the Bible's term, equal concern. I will consider you equal concern. It's right there, verse 25b, <laughs> okay? Equal concern. I will consider you. I will celebrate with you. And the last one, and this is what the new book is about, I will heal with you. If one suffers, we all suffer. I will heal with you. If I can feel with you, then I can heal with you. It's about empathy. I hope you'll grab it. Let me do a quick plug. When it comes out on the 9th, Pastor, it's full price and it hits all of, the, all of the platforms across the world. But up until the 9th, if you go to gracismglobal.com, you get the book 30% off, free shipping. So that ends on the 9th. So I wanted to put that plug in in case you are thinking about buying it and you want a 30% off. I love having 30% off. And they mail it for free. Thank you, Amazon Prime. <laughs> now listen, we not only need the Holy Spirit to lead us, 
I want to talk for a few more minutes before I sort of come down to a close. Is we need the Holy Spirit to live in us. Yes, he leads the church. But I, I want to impress upon you that we need him to live in us. And I should ask you this question. Does the Holy Spirit live within you? And are you allowing him to have more of you? Or have you been ignoring the Holy Spirit and God is using today's message to say, you know what? I, I need to get this one right. And one of the first things I'm going to do when we close in prayer maybe is just say, God, I, Holy Spirit, I, I'm so sorry. I, I guess I've benched you for a long time. And I apologize and I'm sorry and I don't want that anymore. Starting today, when I pray, I'm going to make sure I talk to you too. I don't understand the whole God three in one thing, but I know this. I talk to God the Father. I pray in the name of Jesus and Holy Spirit. I want you to know you're invited into this moment too. And you start doing that and you're going to begin to see the, the movement of God's Spirit in you in ways that maybe you've just not seen uh, or recognized recently. But you've got to understand that you need the Holy Spirit, and I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to, to live in me, not sit in me, but to breathe, to live in me, to, to not only lead my church, but to live in my church. I tell Bridgeway Community Church, we are a church where we cannot ignore the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is life in our church, but it's life in our home. But it's life in my morality. It's life in my money. It's got to be living and active in every area. You know, Acts 17, 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Genesis 2, 7 says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and what? Breathed. The spirit is breath into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The man wasn't a living being until the spirit breathed in him. That's what Ezekiel 37 talks about when it talks about the dry bones. It says in verse 5, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. In verse 6, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. He says in verse 9, prophesy to the breath. He says in verse 10, so I prophesied and he, as he commanded me. And, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet as a vast army. Verse 14 says, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit must live in us. And there are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians who are put together and organized like the dry bones, but they're missing the most important element, the breath, the breath of God. The spirit of God. You can be organized and you can be put together. And there's a lot of organized, put together Christians in the south and in the north. The reality is the dry bones were dry bones. And even when they all came together, they didn't have life until the breath of the spirit breathed. The spirit of God is the breath of life. And friends, when you breathe... You can't see the air, but yet the air is necessary for your body to function. And the air and the oxygen goes into every part of the body. 
in order for the part of the body to exercise its gifts. So if there are areas or gifts in the body that are not being exercised, maybe because the oxygen's not getting to it. Can you imagine a foot not working because the oxygen ain't getting to it? Well, we're going to send breath everywhere, but not to that foot, not until they believe like I do. God allows the Holy Spirit to move all throughout the body. And likewise, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in our body, the body of the church, in every gift of the church, every talent, and then it will have power. It'll have purpose. You know what? Just take a deep breath right now. Could you do that for me? One more time. Just take a deep breath. Hmm. See, the breath renews life inside of you. The Spirit of God is the breath, the oxygen that empowers every part of the body. And we must tap into the Holy Spirit when we breathe, when we pray, when we serve, when we have conflict, when we need to forgive, when we need to reconcile. And while it's true that Jesus is our living hope, the Holy Spirit is our living help. He's our helper, our comforter, our power. He's our spiritual oxygen. I'm coming to a close now, but something else that you need to understand, oxygen doesn't work by itself. It has to work with something else that's distributed through the body. Does anybody know what that is? So you got the oxygen going through the body, but what does it also have to work with? It's got to work with the blood. Come on, somebody. See, the blood must be distributed all throughout the body for the body to function right. The breath has to be distributed all throughout the body for the body to function right. And when you have the blood of Christ flowing through the veins of the body of Christ, now you got something happening. When the breath of God and the blood of God work together, there's nothing the body can't do. When the oxygen and the blood flow freely throughout the body, the body flows and functions and has its being. You cannot live without oxygen. And Christians, you cannot live without the Holy Spirit. Do you know that song, Great Are You, Lord? It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. You cannot live without the breath. You cannot live without the blood. The Holy Spirit is the church's breath. Jesus Christ is the church's blood. And it is the blood of Christ that flows from Calvary that saves us and cleanses us. And God's diverse kingdom needs the breath of God, that's the lungs, and the blood of Christ, that's the heart and the veins. And this, my friends, the breath and the blood is a winning combination for the gospel. This is the one-two punch of sanctification. The breath and the blood is the one-two punch of effective multicultural ministry. Is anybody thankful for the breath of God? Amen. Amen. Is anybody thankful for the blood of Christ? The blood of Christ washes us. The blood of Christ cleanses us. The blood of Christ renews us, restores us, reconciles us. 
And Revelation 12 says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, verse 10. That means the word of their testimony means that they use their breath to testify about what God has done. Is there anybody willing to testify to the goodness of the Lord? Use your breath to testify to the goodness of the Lord. It says they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb. Are there any blood-bought Christians in the house today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of of Jesus. Somebody ought to thank God right now for the blood of Jesus. Somebody ought to thank God right now for the breath of Almighty God in their lungs. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Pray after me. Say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, break me, mold me, melt me, fill me, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And all of Strong Tower said, amen and amen. Thank you. Remain standing, remain standing. Thank you, Dr. Anderson, for being used of the Spirit of God to deposit a spiritual gift into our body that we need. Thank God for the Spirit. Let's close in prayer. In this moment, Dr. Anderson mentioned if you have benched the spirit you haven't relied on the spirit of God you heard a word today we heard a word today we can't do anything without him but with him we can do all things Father, we thank you for how you moved on Paul to invert the order, to remind the church of the importance of depending on, living in, living through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a force. He's a person. And as Paul even reminded us, we want the sweet communion of the Spirit. Take us deeper. Take us there for the first time. May we never tire of leaning on, listening to, 
depending on the Spirit of God. Forgive us for when we have gotten up and went out as practical atheists, where we have not acknowledged you in all of our ways, where we have not relied on the help that you've given us, and we've tried to do things in our own strength, and we keep failing and hitting our heads. And the Spirit is there, saying, if you just ask me, God, thank you for this word we need. Because, Lord, politics has divided us. Race and class have divided us. Pride, different perspectives. But, Lord, what would happen if we listened more, leaned more on, became filled more with the Holy Spirit? What the church at Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica needed, we need today. Help our church, Lord, to remain unified, not because it's right and we're trying to stick together in our own strength, but Lord, help us to do it because it's good when the brothers and sisters can dwell together in unity. We want the oil of the Spirit to make it easier to work through our differences, recognizing we don't have to be the same in order to be one. We can respect where each person comes from and agree to disagree in an amicable way. Lord, please do that in this church like never before. Thank you for what our ears have heard, our eyes have seen, what our hearts have felt. Now, Lord, as we leave this place but never your presence, we go out into the world as the believers left the upper room. And we just want to talk about the wonderful works of God we want to witness we want to testify to any who will listen about Jesus so help us to look like him and over in Romans 8 Paul said he is conforming us the spirit is conforming us to the image of Jesus thank you spirit now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine and it's according to the power that's working in this church. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen. All of God's people leaning on the spirit said, amen, amen. Well, have a wonderful day. Greet someone in the Lord, bless them, and we'll see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday night. Amen.